Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm Alex Gore. I'm here with Lance uh, Intuitive Dad Psycho. Intuitive Dad? Yeah. You're just putting some thoughts together, raising some kids. I like it. Um... We know what's cool about this. Not only do we have a firm where we teach people in our firm how to use Revit, we teach at the university, we teach professionals and our children using RevitRocketship.com. 100%. My 13-year-old daughter took the course, in fact, and she crushed it. Yes. It wasn't the fastest I've ever seen anybody take it, but she actually did it, and she, her questions were pretty minimal, which is pretty impressive. So what does that tell you about the course? I think that it's a pretty accessible for almost anybody at any level. That, that's the difference. And if lowers, you are advanced, lowers, the, lowers the learning curve. Yes. If you are advanced, you can do it in, in one two, to three days. Literally one to three. That's perfect. Yep. If you are in eighth grade, it might take you two and a half weeks, but still. Two weeks, to be fair. It took her two weeks. Okay. I didn't know. I was counting. It's but, all good. Two weeks. Yep. 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 Go check it out. Uh, <laughs> it's a long time, actually. Okay, keep going. <laughs> a, she did it, though. She did it. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's a lot in there. Um, and, and the reason why you can do it so fast is because, like, if you know Revit and we teach you a new way of doing it, then you just take that snippet and then just apply it. Oh, what's the new lesson? <clears throat> apply it. New lesson. Apply it. Go check it out. Uh, RevitRocketship.com. People joining uh, all the time. That's what I have. You know what? It actually, so it took her two weeks in total from the point of starting, but then I asked her, I asked for her. So she got paid to do this. It's coming out. Dad just paying her to do it. It's part of the deal. Um, but I asked her what her hours were. And it was only 14 hours last week. Cause what she was doing was taking breaks, listening to music, texting her friends. I didn't want to say it. I'm so glad that so she know. timed it like that. Oh yeah. She used toggle. Besides Shout out toggle. jokes like, ah, there was a lot of Spotify going on. There was a lot of Spotify going on. She's into music, yep. which is hilarious. Cause like these kids are asking me for album recommendations. I know. Blows my mind. Like I, you guys are supposed to be telling me. And like, I swear, I swear they, they all that we get into the car and they literally ask me for album recommendations. Hey, I lo- that last one you gave me was really good. I can't remember what the heck it was. The, the next um, time I see your son, I need to ask because I know he found it if he liked Lucky Boy Confusion. Lucky Boy's Confusion. Oh, you should, yeah. 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 No. Yes, next sir. Week, I gotta remember. You got to remember. Yeah. Uh, well, as more businesses and tenants demand green design in their buildings, LEED certification is more important than ever. And while ArcCat is known for being red, they can help you go green. ArcCat provides thousands of LEED reports from building product manufacturers on how their products can help make you make the green choice that's right for your project. Head over to arccat.com and find the information you need for lead. Check those guys out. ARCAT.com, big sponsor, longtime sponsor of this show. Uh, I also want you to p- check out pelloluxury.com forward slash the firm. Why? Because you've never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. 
They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. ExplorePelloLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Back to you, Gore. Okay. Let's talk about billing. Let's talk about down payments, how it works. Uh, we have a new idea that might be that might work, might not work. We are trying it out, and we're trying it on two of our last biggest projects that we went out for proposal on. One is a big tennis yeah. center, and the other one that I did is basically two marijuana uh, dispensaries. Yep, they're still they're still building them here, and it's called the down payment dilemma. So, if you are going to start a construction a, a, a design project, not only should you have your proposal before you start work. They should sign that and then give you a down payment. Can be anywhere. Uh, a lot of times it's ten percent. So let's just use that number as ten percent. And one of the reasons you want that down payment is because you want to verify that they have funds to pay, right? That they're not just BSing you or or can't get their stuff together whatsoever. So now you have a contractual obligation with a contract and and a payment. Normally, how it works and how we do it is that. Once you do your first, you know, scope of work, whatever you build them out for, you subtract the down payment from there. And that's all fine and dandy. But a lot of times what's unsatisfying about that is mm -hmm. that you get that down payment and then you do a work for a month or two. And a lot of times it's the hardest work because not only is it like the zoning code and research and, and the griminess of getting the site in there, getting all the files, you know, getting all the bulk planes. And then it's working through actually some of the exciting parts like, oh, here's the design. Here's the program. Here's the layout of it. You're engaging with the client. You do all that work. Mm -hmm. And then what do you get a bill out? Nothing. Zilch. Big old goose egg. Basically, there, I, what was the word you use? Satisfying. I'd say there's a lack of reward and you need rewards to happen in order to reinforce positive things that you're doing in your life. And yep. or even negative things, right? There's got to be some kind of like a negative reward, you know? Yep. So, so I've tried something different and there are, there are possible pitfalls to that, this, and we'll go over this. And I, I found it either through the Entree Architect community on Facebook or some podcast I was listening to. Um, and I cannot remember. So sorry for it. If, He's sorry. If, if you know that this came from you, email me at akg at f9productions.com. I'll give you a shout out if you want. And what the clause in the contract states is that, uh, you know, here's your down payment. Your down payment will come out of your final invoice, your final invoice. So you get your down payment, you do the work and you invoice them for that phase or that hourly or however you have it structured. And then you do the whole project and a lot of architecture projects, if you're in any city will take uh, anywhere from four months to 14 months, you know, e even longer. And then at your final invoice is where that down payment comes out, right? Here's the problem. <laughs> the problem is you could be putting yourself in a pickle, meaning yeah. at the end you do all this work, it always takes longer than you think. Cash flow with small firms too is so critical. So you're kind of pinching yourself. You're putting yourself in a bad position for that. It's bigger risk for you. It's bigger risk. It's bigger risk. And... I think there's a way to mitigate this risk and we'll talk about it live. Yeah. So all of a sudden you do all this work at the end and it took you longer and then you get a bill out, maybe pickles, like maybe nothing, maybe like 2% of the contract. And you're like, holy cow, that was tough. And we spent all of our time and resources towards this. So we couldn't bill out for other things. Right? So that's the pickle that you're in. Okay. 
Now let's solve it. Let's crack this pickle, Lance. <laughs> Break it open. There's two ways to solve it. Is that you could, in theory, have a high enough fee that that 10% is literally your profit. And I know a lot of people say like, oh, the profit's built in in the hourly rate, right? Okay. But that sometimes gets eaten by a couple different ways. One um, way it gets eaten is that you just underestimated. So like your hourly rate actually gets reduced. Um, and two, this is, I think, the hint to the solution. Tasks tend to fill the time allotted, right? Your task yeah. grows with the time allotted, Yeah. right? So if this... And this is literally the idea that just came to me this morning. If we're not going to shoot ourselves literally in the face, Lance, <laughs> we we have our our people who work on the projects and all our contracts yeah. and all that. I think what we need to do is one is, hey, the only way we can do these projects this way is on projects where we know that we're billing enough that this should probably be our profit reasonably with, you know, cushion. And then second either in the contract, um, once it's signed and whatever, literally in, in our word contract, we can take that out and then put in said, you know, like already build, hey, people working on the project, this is the time scope and the hours that you have to work with. Mm -hmm. This is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And people will say, hey, you know, like you, you just can't, you just can't do that, right? Well, one, if the contract's big enough, you probably can. And then two, I know that there's even in, let's be honest, in, in normal projects not done this way, there's, there's, there's a time crunch and people will be like, okay, that detail's good enough, right? Or that drawing, like people can tend to go overboard is what I'm saying. And now you're just making it a more, you're, you're tightening the project, but the fee should have been realistic enough. And you're taking it out so that you, so that you don't let yourself or staff know like, hey, make unnecessary stuff because yeah. you're just, you know, because we have the fees. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I, I, so, yeah. So, we, we, we are trying that on two different projects. We'll keep you posted and see how it goes. I think it's a brilliant idea. I thought it was, I thought it was like, finally, it has been, gosh, 14 years, right? 2000, something like that. And Al, I've been just wait. I'm a very... If anybody knows me, they go, Lance is patient. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, dude, it's, it's been like 19 years. No, no. 2003. Yeah. 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 19. I'm like, I knew it. If I, knew. I just, if I have enough patience with Al Gore, it's going to be a good idea. <laughs> In there. It's going to be one. <laughs> and here we are. Yep. What do you think about the idea though of like, because my team, you know, like, knows okay here are the phases here's how much i have to bill and then in the first phase you know like like somehow like readjusting that so let's let's just say it's 10k because we're using this 10 number like and let's say there's three phases and each one was was uh twenty three thousand three hundred and thirty three. okay so now each phase is now twenty thousand you took out the three the three and the three you know so like it's clean it's clean i do that i already do that i feel i feel like i already do that maybe i don't okay I don't know. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Yes. Go for it. Go it's totally it. worth it. Send in it, as, Send as it. the internet Send says. It. Uh, another thing we wanted to talk about was not to do as a subcontractor. And that, I think that would apply. It's applying, I would say, mostly to a consultant. Maybe it should be like, what to not to do as a subconsultant, right? So if you're an architect, then you probably are hiring folks. They're under your umbrella. Maybe the structural engineer, maybe the mechanical engineer. 
in some instances on these bigger projects it kind of ends up that way for us on the smaller ones maybe not and then there's also a mix it doesn't matter um but some of the things so we've been we've had a ton of inquiries inquiries over the past month al and i so we've been delegating between both of us splitting up going after these uh projects that are big for us um you know multifamily stuff bigger commercial work and uh, what we so we're having to send emails out, uh, introducing everybody to the project, the civil engineer, the mechanical engineer, uh, landscape people, and all of that. And I feel like there's a yellow flag that comes up, um, um, but it's only it's not a red flag. I think it's a yellow flag. And, I, and Al's nodding over here. If you're watching on the YouTube, so I'd be, so I'm interested to know, like, if, first of all, if he agrees, and then like what pushes it to a red flag? Maybe why. Uh, even if it is a yellow flag, like it, it can go away. You know, like what is the problem that we're both having with the fact? And, and what it is is, send send out the email, and then you get pages of questions back. Like, what? Why is to you is that a red flag and a yellow or flag. a yellow flag? Sorry. Yeah. Here's why. <clears throat> because it depends on the type of project. That's why. So, for example, if it is a small project where like hey, budget's an issue, like it has to be tight and stuff like that. You might get um, questions from, let's just use mechanical engineering, yeah. right? Like, hey, is this going to be a swamp cooler system or AC system, blah, 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 right? Because they want a tight bid in order to get it. You might be, be com competing and, and you need it to be tight. So like you have these list of questions, mm -hmm. right? Let's say you're going after a bigger project, right? And maybe multiple, multiple bigger projects. And you have the architect, you have mechanical, electrical, plumbing, civil, and landscape. At least those many, maybe an even more, right? And let's say you get a question on, I'm using mechanical even though this wasn't the scenario. Like, hey, is it going to be uh, swamp coolers or is it going to be, you know, this? Like, hey, I need you to know that this is a big enough project that right now we only have a concept and things might change. And I, I'm going to be more mean than maybe I would. When I say I want you responsible for the mechanical engineering, I want you responsible for the mechanical engineering. <laughs> the I swear <laughs> our brains switch this week. I swear. You are, you are mean Lance. Mean Lance. <laughs> you are slightly autistic Lance right this week. It is insane to me. Because yeah. I feel like I, I'll, Al, did you jump inside my brain, take that thought out, and use it as your own? Say, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, Lance, because... But here's the problem that that is a yellow flag because if there's those caveats with mechanical those caveats with the landscape like hey is there going to be this here or is it going to be this here and then is this going to be fine okay now i have to remember all those coordinate all of those with the client and then then oh they might tell me then we have to go back and forth and then like okay now we have all the documents now like there's going to be a plaza there isn't going to be a plaza i know a plaza is a big deal but it's but it's like i need you to whoa. account for the plaza I or, or I need you to, this is the area of the landscape. There you go. This is the area you of the landscape. You know we're going to have to do something there. Account for it. Yes. Yep. And you know that like. We can get to we, a finite level of scope. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not, it's not like sub consultant, if you're listening. It's not like uh, we presented a third of an acre and then like, well, what if it what if it grows into in the third dimension, the z-axis? Yes. And we get another. Th it's like nope, it's finite. Yep. So and and here's why it's only a yellow. I know why you're asking this. I like 
it, it makes sense to me, right? But from a building perspective, like let's say we're doing some sort of big building, right? And it has bathrooms and uh, uh, it has four classrooms, bathrooms, and, 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 and a gym in it, right? And it's roughly uh, 50,000 square feet, right? Oh, like, are we gonna add another bathroom? Because once we go through occupancy code, whoever did the concept didn't like account for that? Oh, was that in the mechanical plan? Like, did, did they only account for four toilets and now we have four toilets and, four, and three urinals? And then they're like, oh, you owe us more money. Hey, that might be a way some people operate. That, that's not the way we're operating. Like, oh, we did an occupational analysis and realized we needed more stuff. Plumbing engineer to take care of that. Oh, nope. I didn't account for those extra three, three labs and, and whatever. And, you know, the square footage did increase on 50,000 square feet to 50,200 square feet. Okay, oh. and then the dilemma is with the, the so the conclusion in that scenario is what you should have enough flex to take care of these situations. Right, but like you could, but I guess what I'm getting at, sorry to be, like, oh, some consultant comes to you and they're like, hey, I didn't account for that. We need more money. Is that that's what I don't want? Exactly, that's what we don't want. Yeah. So so I one of the proposals that I sent out, I I sent it to two landscape architects. And the first landscape architect who I've worked, who we've worked with before, he had uh, probably about six questions. Not bad questions. They were okay. I had to reassure him about some of the questions and, yeah. and, and what to do. And it was kind of the same thing with the scope and all of that. It's like, this is where we're at. This is what's happening. Um, I appreciated him being thorough, but it was, a, it was a yellow flag. Second landscape architect, zero questions. Here's your number. Lower number two. So, like, what is the risk that you're evaluating as somebody is if you if you are putting together one of these umbrella contracts? And maybe you're not. Maybe it's you could also not could not be in an umbrella contract. You're just gathering the quotes, and then everybody's quoting sep or everybody's contracting separately. But you're still recommending that person, right? So your risk is somewhat the same, but in different ways, right? So, like, let's go to the one where you're umbrella umbrellaing that. Okay, if you're umbrellaing that, all of a sudden you're on the hook to have to bring up the extra fees to the developer later on. You don't want to do that. Um, and then if you are, if, if they're contracting separately, well then, uh, then it still could look bad on you because you're recommending somebody that's a, P, that's a PETA, pain in, pain, in the, pain in the ass, right? Oh, look at that. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, but, it, but in, either, in either regard, what, I'm trying, what we're trying to get, in, get, get across to anybody who is a potential subconsultant for anything is you need to solve the problems for the people. And I want the, the path of least resistance with that. And that means you taking extreme ownership, putting in the fees that are necessary for you to do that with the least amount of me having to hold your hand, me having to answer extra questions. I just need you to do your job. We're gonna work together, but like there's like, let's be independent and kind of work together consist you know concurrently yep. can i can i throw a wrench in this and see how you'd solve it yeah let's use the landscape architect let's say one came in at 21 and one came in at, at 18 and you're similar to the differences but keep going yeah and then you use the one as 18 the counter argument for the 21 person that that asked my uh, questions yes. is like i accounted for this yeah what if that person didn't account for that 
Yeah. And now they come back. Yes. So that's the, no, no, that's a great, that's yes. That, that's the other risk you're running a hundred percent. If you, especially if you went with the lower one. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, but, it, but again, what it's like, that's the tricky thing you're trying to weigh is, oh, I went with a lower one. They had less questions. They seemed like they were more confident. They didn't seem like such a newbie. And then one with the higher fees seemed like, seemed like more of a newbie because they had more questions. Maybe, maybe I'm confusing it for them being more thorough, but I'm just, it's just about just thinking this whole thing through. And, and maybe the, the answer that I was trying to set you up for. Ha <laughs> ha. Sorry. Was something like this. And I'm not saying I've, I've done it perfectly. Is, hey, hey, landscape architects, here's the scenario. Here's the concept. Please allow for, you know, like this many iterations and that there will be changes. You know what I mean? So, like, w- w- somehow, some sort of, we are asking you to take responsibility for the landscape. You know, so that both of them are, are literally on, on even in, in you aren't going to have all the answers. So you need to be able to not only draw that, but have that in your fees. Does that make sense? It makes sense 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, think about all that stuff. I think it's probably just like anything. Life isn't black and white, so there's probably going to be this gray area that you land within. It's just... I, so no questions, still even a red flag or a yellow flag, I guess. Low questions, low fee. No questions, low fee. Yellow flag for what we talked about. Uh, pages of questions, high fee, yellow flag. Is there somebody in the middle, if you went after three people, with medium questions, medium fee? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Food for thought. Yeah. Uh, okay, some additional food for thought. Economy is on everybody's mind. Uh, the jobs numbers came out today, and unemployment, um, job, un- unemployment, the unemployment rate, um, or people filing for unemployment ticked up, but wages went up again. So again, we're in this really weird situation with the economy. And I talked about it a few, I gave my prediction a few uh, weeks ago. I, th- I think it's we could potentially avoid a recession of jobs because everybody still has jobs mostly. And we also have uh, high wages, but at the same time we have this crazy inflation going on plus the supply chain stuff. Um, I have a theory. Yeah. So the GDP is going down. Prices are going up. Uh, I would contribute that you're getting less for your dollar. So the GDP should actually be going down more than they're actually accounting for. Like they should factor that in. Sure. Normally what should happen is jobs should go down. That's not happening right now. Yeah. Not to the extent that we thought. I think what people have been warning about for the last 10 years is actually happening to our benefit. And that is... Baby boomers are retiring. Mm. They might have enough so cash that they, that they can retire. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they're going out of the job market, but they're legitimately not being counted against it. So there's this. The, so there is more jobs being needed. Thus, the job growth is is where it's at, and it seems fine. And maybe these these boomers are taking the quote unquote hit, even if they're not you know, taking out financially because hopefully they saved and stuff like that. And maybe that's what's causing this weird, like, oh, maybe that's not that bad because there's more of them retiring that yeah. can be filled. Well, it's just like housing. And we talk about the supply and demand thing. Sure, the crisis have went crazy, but that doesn't mean it's like, it's usually a signal of a, of a, 
of a bubble if prices skyrocket and you look at a chart like any kind of investment chart and you see a hockey stick but then we have this supply and demand issue right uh so again it's probably maybe it's a supply issue on the job on the just job like labor side of things you yep. know with it with this huge demand so what i wanted to get to was this article here i've got it pulled up if you were watching on youtube from the our, our good friends over at the national association of home builders and uh Again, I highly recommend you sign up for their newsletter um, or just be on their email list because they'll send me at least one article a day. It's fantastic. They're on the ground. They're advocating for affordability. Um, <clears throat> and then they also give the the truth about you know where we're at with the housing market. So the title is uh, Builder Confidence Plunges as Affordability Woes Mount. Builder Confidence Plunged in July as high inflation and increased interest rates stalled the housing market, dramatically slowing sales and buyer traffic in a further sign of a weakening housing market. Builder confidence in the market for newly built single family homes posted its seventh straight monthly decline in July, falling 12 points to 55. According to the NAHB uh, market index released today, this was uh, about a week ago is when this article came out. This marks the lowest HMI reading since May, 2020 and the largest single month drop in the history of HMI, except for the 42 point drop in April 2020, which remember that was all pandemic stuff yep. um, there. So a quote uh, from the article, they say, production bottlenecks, rising home building costs and high inflation are causing many builders to halt construction because the cost of land construction and financing exceeds the market value of the home, said NAHB chairman Jerry Conter, a home builder and developer from Savannah, Georgia. And another sign of a softening market, 13% of the builders in the HMI reported reducing home prices in the past month to bolster sales and or limit cancellations. Affordability, quote, is is the greatest challenge facing the housing market, said NAHB chief economist. So just we have been getting right now more multifamilies projects than single families. And I'm... It seems like that's kind of going to be the trend for a while if you're in that market and maybe you're not doing single families um, for until this whole thing kind of sorts itself out. What do, what do you think about that, Al? I the, the, I go to risk and one of the risks is, hey, it's great to have multifamily projects. They're big. You can get chunks done. But also we're working with the government and they can decide to just really, really slow down the process, which means it's hard to predict when you can do stuff, when you'll get permits, all that other thing, you know, everything else. Yeah. Uh, something else uh, on the same vein that I just wanted to touch base on that is not going to bode well for affordability. So it's kind of kind of maybe exasperate this problem. And that is uh, from coloradopolitics.com. New statewide building codes could cost homeowners $68 billion. A new law that Colorado Think Tank says paves the way for converting all homes in the state to electricity for cooking, space, and water heating, and the EV charging could cost Colorado homeowners between 59 and $68 billion by 2031 and would exacerbate Colorado's already acute housing shortage. See what I mean? Like, I, I, we, we, we talk about this on almost every episode. I'm sure people are getting old. It gets getting old. But uh, I'm, I just can't deny the reality. Common Sense Institute puts the increment cost for each new residential building between 6450 and $22,352. Um, the reason why I don't believe that is because we, we just went over a fire code with uh, Boulder, Colorado. And they had their numbers. And I think it was between... Like, oh, you don't believe that those projections? Yeah. Sure. Because 
just one of their items in there cost more than their high scope. So it was like something between, oh, this will only cost between four and 12,000. And then like I just said, here's one thing that you said you have to do. This times this times this number is is more than you just said. So that those numbers mean nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if we if this trend is true, and it probably is, is that the shortage is going to continue? Well, what does that mean? Well, that you have high demand, housing prices are going to continue to escalate. The only silver, silver liner that I see right now that's going on, and if I put my builder hat on, is I am seeing supply chains ease up. It doesn't seem too difficult right now for us to get materials, um, relatively speaking, to this time last year. This time, th- that it was horrible last year, right? But now it's we can get almost everything we need. Yeah, the lead time isn't crazy. It's been starting to get like cut in half from Windows twelve weeks out to maybe now six weeks out, sort of back to normal. And then um, lumber prices have uh, drastically went down. Yep. So I, I want to continue on this. A yeah. Spokesman for Governor uh, Polis said this bill provides cost savings for Colorado. So technically, the politician didn't lie, which should not surprise you because technically they probably don't lie. This is what they're saying. Pacific Northwest Laboratory says that this will save Colorado residents oh my 33 God, to $66 it. per year. That means that somehow they indicate this would take an average of 17.3 years to recover those costs, which is longer than the average length of time a homeowner would stay in their home. I hope, I hope they put in to recover the cost plus the interest that they paid on that cost, which would be about double to do that. Oh, at some people, at some time, there's got to be, at some point, there's got to be, there's got to be a pushback and a repeal or something. I just don't see how we're getting out of this. Like technology, I know we talk about, it's either that or a giant breakthrough in technology, a huge, a huge breakthrough in technology. Yeah. To, to make it so things get built faster, quicker, more machines. But then, then you know what's going to happen. If that ever happens, then we're going to hear all, all, all the uh, socialists complain about like, um, so I kind of got a rant on a couple of issues of that okay. because there also needs to maybe be a sea change in people need to understand we need to limit the role of government. And I know that that seems like a one party side solution, but it will honestly allow for uh, causes from both parties to actually manifest themselves. So, for example, there's this bill um, about uh, I forgot what the most recent bill is. Uh but it's about uh, decrease. Anyways, it, it's going up. And one thing that they're doing is they're giving a bunch of money to the IRS, right? And there's money for more enforcement. They say that there's money, like they're only going to do the more enforcement on people making income more than $400,000 uh, per year. In, in none of that, Lance, mm-hmm. was the, the actual solution is like, this is crazy that you make your code so complicated Onerous. that professionals like ourselves can barely manage the time or effort to do it ourselves and, and thus, th- thus don't like you didn't like, if you would solve that problem, maybe you wouldn't need 80,000 people looking into people's stuff to get it done. Like if it was just clear cut, but they aren't doing that. Right. Right. And, and, and here's the dangerous. Okay. That's only one thing. Like the ramifications of that will only go so far. Sure. <clears throat> Think about the ramifications of forgiving all student loan debt. Okay. Okay. A lot of people say, hey, there's not that many ramifications. A lot of people bring up the ramifications of that's going to increase inflation, which means 
everyone's going to have to pay for that somehow, right? It's, even if the government does the easy thing and just print money. Lance, <clears throat> think about why. Why does your power stay on consistently unless you're in Texas? Why does it? Because there's a constant source of power. Okay. Or generation. Who, and also because there's people that know how to fix, maintain, and build those. Yeah. Correct? Uh-huh. And those people are normally coming from the trades. And there has to be enough people to fix and maintain this so that the power stays operable. If you know anything about massive government spending, it is not efficient and it is not nimble and it does not react to the market whatsoever. So you have people going into the trades that are making a really good decision, probably making a decent amount of money and not having a lot of student debt. And they go into the trades and they fix power lines. You as a smart person, hate to bring you down. I don't think you know how to fix a power line if it broke. Or a transformer. It's true. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, loans will be forgiven and college will be free. Why go in the trades when I can sit in college, party forever, and, or, you know, or get a degree? And now, all of a sudden, the government puts such an emphasis on these college degrees that literally years from now, we could have a labor shortage. Because of mismanagement of government funds. I don't know if you've seen this happen recently, Lance, with a labor shortage and a supply chain shortage by mismanagement of government funds that now affect literally the power grid system in the winter in places that has huge ramifications of it. Like, that's why we're saying that the market forces need to react to this and acknowledging that we can't have crony capitalism that only lets rich people skate by or gives contracts uh, to, to these companies that are non-compete that don't work out. You need competition to make sure it's the most fair system. End of rant. End of rant. So uh, last little uh, thing. To, so on, on the same vein, this is kind of three articles in a row sort of hammering in on this. Um, and, you know, you could argue that the first two were uh, right of center publications. There's no argument. There cannot be an argument that the Atlantic, I have pulled up on my screen here, is anything right of center. And yet they are agreeing. So they're, you know, clearly left of uh, why why your house was so expensive. And just the, just from their headline, material cost inflation, anti-building rules, NIMBY, NIMBY attitudes and barriers to innovation have created the housing affordability crisis. I don't think they missed anything with those four, those, those, those four topics. And that's what topics. I was getting at. What, what it's hard to see with all the fighting is the left and right want safe and affordable housing. Like, no one is actually against that. Yep. Yeah, so some of the, just some of the highlights here. Uh, you know, parts and labor, they go on to say, let's say you want to build a house in America. Congratulations, you're going to need a lot of wood. Surprise. Also, plastic, concrete, steel, glass, and maybe some porcelain tile. Unfortunately, no matter where you live, red state or blue state, the city or the sticks, the mercurial costs are rising. Well, we've talked about that before, right? Um, and then uh, the rules. This is what this is one we talk about a lot, and they're talking about it now. Again, Atlantic, very left publication, but yet they're ad admitting the truth. Um, when you think of housing rules, you might immediately think of zoning. Cities and local governments will carve up an area into little blocks of land or zones and create specific rules about what kind of land or construction or ownership is permitted there. One can one zone for single-family houses or apartments for short buildings or tall buildings, for museum-esque preservation, mixed-use development, um, 
Ground floor retail and apartments, though nothing is innately unethical about creating a rule for a particular piece of land, the legacy of zoning in America is fraught. U.S. cities have used zoning laws to segregate, uh, well, now they're going to do the racism, white and non-white people, which is true about the redlining, I don't deny that, uh, to make it near impossible to build apartment buildings in high-income terrier areas and to discourage new construction. The, the thing I think they always miss, though, about the zoning laws is I want you to, for people in the industry, we know what it's like to work with the people enforcing the zoning laws. And they have a monopoly on the process, and the process is so slow that if we keep going at this rate, there's absolutely no way we're ever going to get to a housing uh, excess to allow us to reduce some of these prices just with supply and demand economics. Yep. We, we have had... Uh, landscape architects, civil architects, stuff like that, oh. where we say, hey, charge, charge whatever fee you need. And they said, hey, that's great. We're not going to work in this city because they are so bureaucratically nonsense. Yeah. So like how, that, <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is like, literally you can charge a great fee. Not going to do it. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, there's also the, they go on to say the local vetoocracy. Let's say you're a developer. You find an empty lot in a major city. You propose to build a big apartment building on the cracked concrete with dozens of units set aside for people experiencing homelessness. When you ask around the community, people tell you they love the idea. More housing, less homelessness. Who could possibly say no? The answer is one angry litigious neighbor by filing an environmental lawsuit this single person can delay construction for years by demanding that the planners conduct expensive and time-consuming research on the ecological impact of new development. It happens to us. People people go in and kill it. Um, and so then the last thing and, is... And the city listens to them. The city has to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. The last one here, and Al's actually brought this chart up before. So now we're, look, we're coming back full circle here to this chart. The stagnation... In the past half of the century, prices for TVs, electronics, computers, toys, clothes, and even cars have fallen in inflation-adjusted terms, but housing prices haven't. Nobody has figured out how to do for housing what Henry Ford did for cars or something, or Samsung did for flat-screen TVs, which then begs the technology question. So now if you're looking on YouTube, there's a chart here that Alice pulled up before. It's called Price Changes from January 2000 to June 2022. And the part they're missing, this house, this this actually this chart actually went viral on Twitter last week. I don't know why, but people were citing it again, and they were they were highlighting, for instance, uh, on the chart on the right side, uh, basically the the y-axis is saying how what percentages went up, and then the x-axis is a timeline, and then on the right-hand side it's listing out hospital services, college tuition fees, uh, college textbooks, again cars, clothing, the things that are most subsidized and or protected or intervened with by the government are the ones that went up the most, and the ones with the least actually deflated a little bit um so the technology is like how do you so what is the solution for this i don't know i, I mean we keep well I, do, I know what it is i mean i think first of all a little more competition would be good i would like to see private planners being able to compete with the public planners a developer my scenario would be for instance just on that side of things a developer could pay a higher fee he has the option he or she has the option to go in and they go Great. We're at, here's the pre-application meeting. Yep. You have the option now. You're going to pay. If you want to, you can use our public planners. But if you want to, but if you also want to, you can use our private planners. 
you're going to pay it. But uh, private planners are more expensive. You're going to pay a higher fee. And, um, and then that higher fee, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, what if part of that higher fee went to a weird slush fund for affordable housing? So you're killing two birds, one stone. And the private planners will move faster because they have a, a, an objective to move faster. Yes. Because their job is not secure, like a public planner. Same thing for the building department. I think that would go a long way. And then how do we free the technology to allow for quicker building? It's a great question because I do understand one of the pillars in democracy is that, uh, and in a government that you want to be governed by, is that you should have a voice. You should. Like, this is like a fundamental yeah. pillar. Can't have right? a dictator, yep. Um, but but how do you say, hey, your, your voice of complaining about this, we've heard you, but we, we don't care. And, 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 and cities do do that, but... Um, there, there, there's so many issues there. I think you tackled the high lines. We, I mean, we could go into it further, but then we would just kind of be ripping into to all this bureaucracy. And, and, and my big takeaway is, is if, if you want to think about it in a construction, in, in a constructive way, is how do you eliminate or reduce bureaucracy? That is the answer while still aiming at your objectives, right? So just going back to the tax code, like, hey, we want to make sure you pay your taxes, okay? We'll eliminate the bureaucracy and say, you know, like, make it simple, and then it's easy to track. You know? You got it. Uh, we have no Nick Reads this week. We have no yeah. ARE Jeopardy. Uh, a lot of folks are out on vacation right now. So I think that is just about going to do it for us. Al, do you have anything to I add? I have nothing. If you, so if you like this episode, please share this episode with your friend, a colleague, your mother, of course. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you smash that like button. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will see you next week.